everybody. Welcome to Hobbs and Friends. I am your host, Jason Hobbs, and uh, I'm really excited, as always. I'm not going to say I'm more excited, but I might be, to have uh, a real, I don't know, founding father of the OSR, especially in the blogging scene. And he is also an author and lots of other things that I really hope to learn about. Mr. Jeff Reince, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to be on the show. Uh, you had some patience to get on. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it, it took a little bit of finagling with the schedule, but that's okay. Yeah, you were great. Uh, I was actually very, very nervous to ask you to be on. Did you know well, that? I, I can't remember if I told uh, you that. I don't know if you told me that or not, but, you know, I put my pants on one leg at a time like everybody else, so... And I, I was very surprised that you said that you actually listened. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, it's a great lesson and uh, to relearn that everyone are just uh, people. So I appreciate that. Anyway, um, I guess we should get right into it. Oh, am I pronouncing your last name right? I should have asked you that ahead of time. Yeah, I think you got it right. Uh, you, it's Reince. Reince, yep. That's what I thought. Like one syllable, yeah. you just go right across. Awesome. Yep. I'm, I'm good at this. I should start a show. All right, so uh, how do we know each other is what we usually talk about. I know that uh, I got, when I first joined G+, that's where I saw you. I have no idea where you learned about me, or if you did, I guess, until maybe before the podcast or what? Yeah, I think I was aware, aware of you before the podcast. Uh but it's, I don't think we ever played a game together on G Plus that I can recall. I, I cannot. Um, did you? Were you part of the Flail Snails stuff, or were you mostly just blog guy, or what? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess I was one of the uh, three founding members of Flail Snails. Actually, now that I think about it, nice. Um, Who are yeah, those people? We should know that. Let's see. Uh, Calathena, Golden Claw, Golden Claw, Golden. I can't remember the last name. Uh, and oh God, his real name is escaping me at the moment. I feel terrible about it. Somebody in the chat who knows Calathena's real name, please share it so I don't feel like an idiot. And uh, and uh, Zach was the other one. All right. So no one is actually chatting in the chat at all at this point. Um, I don't okay. know why, but I do know that we had a couple people follow and subscribe to the channel. Uh, thank you for that. And anybody, oh, Sean. Yeah. Sean. Is his first name Sean? Oh, man. I owe him an apology, whatever his name is. Um, but yeah, so it was the three of us who got together for the initial i guess we we did like a manifesto saying this is what we're gonna try and a bunch of people signed on to it and the way we were uh encountering all sorts of really interesting people and with <laughs> really interesting player characters and what i found super delightful about flail snails play was the the players had such a huge capacity to surprise me well i'm going to use such and such that i got in so-and-so's campaign well we got to figure out right now what that's going to mean for our game here tonight and that's that was always a delight for me it sounds like you could also go the other direction that, that. oh sure but it's it's kind of <laughs> yeah it's kind of playing with live ammo in a way but uh <laughs> but i think that's fun 
Yeah, that's great. It was that called the Constant Con then? It wasn't changed over to Flail yeah, so later, right? So Constant Con was basically, you know, Zach pointing out that now that we have Google Plus with Google Hangouts, we should be better organized in letting each other know that we're running games. And Flail Snails was sort of built on that with the simple idea of, hey, you remember that old practice from the dawn of the hobby where you could just show up to a campaign character sheet in hand from somebody else's game? Let's go back to that and see what happens. And the result was uh, some of the most dynamic, fun times with uh, dice and graph paper I've ever had. Yeah, that sounds... uh... How, that the, it's almost mind-boggling. How long? When do you think that was? Like what year? Fla- flail snails? Yeah, or when you started the manifesto, or yeah. I guess if you give me just a moment to search my blog, I can find the post. Uh, but uh, it's it's going back a few years now because I've run two different flail snails campaigns. Um, How many of them did you actually play in? maybe six or eight sessions yeah. total um 2011 is when we started so uh i've always been more of a dungeon master than a player but i i i've managed to keep a a fighter alive since 2011 playing him once every couple of years or so <laughs> and i think he's almost third level <laughs> nice well, that's pretty yeah. good. It, well, you, a lot of times you were probably hanging with higher level characters. I was going to say third level yeah. of just eight sessions. That seems pretty fast if you're like playing yeah. Labyrinth Lord or BX pretty raw or whatever. But uh, awesome, man. That's great. Uh, so let's talk about uh, our ga- weekly gaming. So I actually obviously just had an interview a few days ago, uh, but I'll do mine quick. I did play my White Sands game, which is kind of a drop in, drop out game that replaces mm-hmm. my it replaces my Lost in Agata game on Tuesday nights. So it was fun. Uh, it's really sad and just like this Arabic slash Egyptian slash Persian setting uh, mm-hmm. with city-states and messing around and mostly fighting kobaldish uh, lizard men that we call Yakim and you know, with a bunch of murder hobo players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and last night I played Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells by uh, uh, Diogo. Have you ever played that? I have not. How did that go? What would you think? It is the second time. It's the second session. Uh, we had more players, and it's it's it kind of edges towards more gonzo narration and i think the more players that you have involved in something like that maybe the more crazy it gets and the less apt uh i am to maybe get really creative with what my character is doing and stuff Mm -hmm. uh so i would say i was more subdued when we had five when we got up to five players compared to three for an online game and uh but it's still fun i I like the game I, i guess it's very black hack i've never played uh black hack or black hacks mm-hmm. too but uh i mean it's anytime you can get together with your buddies and roll dice and do crazy things in space uh, uh it's gonna be hard not to have a good time i think what what about you what have you yeah. what have you been playing lately alas i don't have any games going at the moment you have been super busy on the twitters talking about uh 
your thesis? Is that what it is? Or is it something past uh, dissertation? So yeah, I just completed my PhD at the end of October. And so I was, uh, for the last several months, a year, really, it's been sort of crunch time for that. And so I just, I haven't had time to play any games and uh, I'm looking to get back into it. I'm thinking about uh, trying to start a group at my local library um, and of course uh, do some more online play. Maybe both in the same camp so I could tell the folks at the library, oh, this level's been looted. I wonder how that happened. Yeah, That's always fun. That is. I love having multiple people in uh, the same areas and stuff just to see how they interact with each other. It gets weird, though, because sometimes they seem like they want to physically interact with each other. I shouldn't say physically, but virtually have those characters interact, and it's not always easy to have them in the same place or what's going to happen, you know? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, so uh, my first Flail Stales campaign, the, the Wessex campaign, I ran a game store group every other week while I was running the Flail Snails version weekly. And there was a con game where the con, my con game was just, I'm going to run my Wessex game and we'll see who shows up, where a couple of people who had played online and one guy who was in my game group game all showed up to the same session. <laughs> That's great. And it was it was weird because there was this like this moment where you 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 walk into the you know uh, the saloon in the old west and look across and eyes meet, but then they realized they all they were all in it for the same reason to beat up the bad guys and get their gold. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was a sort of a moment when they realized, Oh, you're with those guys. But, uh, you know, it's not like it came to blows or anything like that. Actually, they just like, Oh, so, you know, you know, your way around this dungeon too. So the three of them sort of became the leaders of the expedition. Cause everybody else was like, Oh, I signed up for this because it was a D and D game. I don't know anything about this whale snail stuff. <laughs> That's great. I kind of do the same thing with my Kalmata game where I run it online close to like a West Marches situation where mm-hmm. I never know who's going to play and I run it at cons as well. And then sometimes the people who do play online come to the con game. And it seems like uh, the last few times that's been the majority, really. They're excited to try and play their characters that they play online all the time in, uh, you know, a live face-to-face session. And uh, it's 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 very rewarding and definitely worth it uh, in my in my estimation and my experience, I should say. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so I've actually read a few. It seems like your recent stuff where you were trying to get games going, but have found like you've had different difficulties starting the campaigns. Or do you want to yeah. talk about that at all? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say that overall, you know, historically, my batting average for successful campaigns is no better than one out of three or so. So after a good campaign that goes, you know, 20 sessions or more, I generally expect the next one to maybe not do as well. I ha- My hopes are up high, but from a realistic analysis, the next one's probably going to be a dud just by the, the numbers game. And so, uh, but I'm always trying something new and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And one of the things I tried with this new campaign is for my previous two Flail Snails games, I got a lot of people saying, Jeff, would I'd love to play in your game, but you run at a crazy time. 
I'm a morning person and I often run my flail snails games literally at 4 a.m. my time. Oh, my. Um, which means I actually most of my players end up being in a different hemisphere than mm-hmm. me. Um, but uh, so I was like, well, let's try a sliding start time and check your availability when you sign up on this short list. Can you play Friday night? Can you play Saturday afternoon? Can you play Sunday morning? And I gave like six options. And uh, it was useful for getting some people to play. So like a guy said, I can only play Saturday morning. So when we played Saturday morning, he at least got to play that. But on my own end, I couldn't deal with the idea of I don't know when I'm going to be running next from a from a psychological <laughs> managing my own crap sort of perspective. And so I kept always imagining the game as being farther out than it was. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the prep started to suffer. I understand completely. I kind of do the same thing because it is West Marches or whatever. Oh, I don't need to set it up yet. I'll do that you know later and then now it's like oh the game is starting in an hour all right i guess we're just rolling random tables let's go (laughs) and and also i think this is this is a much smaller point but i uh, another thing that you know if you wanted to try something like this yourself you or anybody in the audience to consider is a lot of people are very optimistic when selecting yeah these are the times i'm available you know i would send out an email say hey i'm playing in the sunday morning slot this week you want to play and i would i would quite regularly get back sunday morning play then are you crazy it's like dude you clicked on that box when you signed up i was expecting (laughs) you to actually say yes um so you know uh not harshing on any of the players buzzes it's just some of them were like oh yeah i want to play dnd click 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 all the availability boxes and then reality set in and the net result was i spent more time recruiting who's going to play this week than i really needed to yeah too much herding cats even though you've done all that work Mm -hmm. ahead of time where you shouldn't have to and then yeah that's unfortunate awesome all right so (laughs) i feel like almost we skipped some of the introduction there's some people who actually listen to hobbs and friends that don't know that much about the osr who aren't involved in the osr um i was going to get into that i guess later yeah let's get into that later you know what the everything about you segment is right jeff do you want to go or you want me to um yeah i think i do but i'm gonna let you go in case i can't remember so it's just uh uh instead of doing a uh intro episode where i talked all about myself I decided I would just have the segment, the segment every show where I would try say something about myself that mm-hmm. the listeners don't know, and uh, hopefully then the guests or guests could do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously now we're on fifty-eight, so if I had done it, you know, <laughs> it would have been a super long show. But uh, there's always something to talk about, and today it's I'm so excited uh, that my old school essential books. Uh, came in. Did you mm-hmm. check that out or anything? Are you familiar with Old School Essentials? I, I, I've been following their their development, and it's clear that a lot of people are are really digging them. I haven't ordered a set myself yet. I am particularly drawn to. Um, I want to see how their uh, the the Old School Essentials the advanced stuff works. Like oh. you know, you know, I, I want to see you know their their. Ver- 
version, you know, necrotic gnomes version of like the half orc class as race and mm-hmm. the druid and things like that, designed specifically for you know that that BX setting. Yeah, because one of the things I struggle with, I'm a I'm a BX guy through and through, but I've played lots of other editions, you know telling players these are the seven classes and that's it really harshes the buzz of some players it does yeah you know, You're right and and i don't want to be the dm who says no i want to be the dm who says yes i just want to do it in a way that it doesn't run roughshod over the campaign right and so i'm always looking at people who who have adapted stuff for bx style play that players might be interested in like you know i want to be an assassin i want to be a paladin you know it's like well i want to say yes to that i just want to do it in a in a structure that makes sense to me as a dm yeah and so you're always just checking out the third party stuff that you can get a hold of right or even just yeah. off blogs or wherever yeah oh yeah, yeah there's tons uh of of interesting class and race options among the blogs uh actually for my last campaign i did my i i custom uh reincarnation table where i just went and grabbed every class for bx from every blog i could find and it ran to nearly 200 items oh that's nice did you you, i mean and obviously at that point in a reincarnation table you weren't too worried about balance or anything like that right no no and and really you know in a flail snails game, you can't get too worried about right. balance because somebody's going to show up with a with a class race combo and a magic item you don't understand. And you know, um, I'm just I'm really surprised nobody ever showed up to, in my game with an actual you know artifact from the dungeon master's guide. <laughs> it never happened. It never happened. I I, I was uh. I don't, I'm in tons of different hangouts where we just jibber jabber instead of uh, like we used maybe on G plus or whatever. We always had the hangouts to talk, but someone was talking recently about uh, Magnolia's character. Who's going to be the movie that they're making. You know what I'm talking about? Have you heard any of this? Do you have any idea? what no, I'm, I'm not sure. Follow so uh, there's that, the actor, uh, James, I think his name is James Magnolia. Does that sound right? Uh-huh. And he has, they're going to make a D&D movie and the D&D movie is going to be Hand of Vecna or Hand of Vecna is going to be in it. And they were talking that his character that took place in, uh, I don't know what show, it, what which one of the, I don't think it's Critical Role, but one of those really popular mm-hmm. streams or whatever that he is in, his character has the Hand of Vecna. And so when you were just talking about that, I'm like, oh, that it seems like it, that isn't necessarily something that people are afraid of doing now compared mm-hmm. to where us uh, older school guys were like rarely are we messing with that stuff other than almost no. like a MacGuffin right yeah well I tell you what once I did in, in the last time I ran AD&D first edition we were playing fairly fast and loose and one day I'm just like you know what I'm going to give the party the recorder of Yakind just to see what they do with it I don't even know and, what that is it's 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 one it's one of the least interesting artifacts in the DMG in my opinion. It's just you know it's just a little recorder, the toot flute sort of thing, but it's enchanted at artifact level. Okay. And uh, you know, so the party bard got a hold of it, but the veteran players at the table are like, you know what, artifacts are more trouble than it's worth. Don't even try it. And they didn't. They never used the day. Oh. So I was I was disappointed. <laughs> no kidding. 
All right. So how about you? Do you have uh, something that maybe people don't know about you? Yeah. Um, okay. So here's one. Um, I am a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason. Oh, no. No. What the heck does that mean? So uh, Freemasonry is the the oldest fraternity in the West that's been in continuous operation. It's often in conspiracy kookery connected with the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. And I'm a member of a Masonic Lodge, and I've been initiated into the Scottish Rite of, of Freemasonry with its 32 degrees. So if you wanted to, you could say a 32nd level Freemason. Um, wow. So, so it's, it's a, yeah, go ahead. Any conspiracies you want to tell us about then? Um, <laughs> well, you know what? This, this, this cracks me up. I once went to a Masonic event where there was a guy from out of town brought in from a speaker from a legitimate Masonic lodge. And he stood up there and his speech was all about how Freemasonry's rites and rituals originated in Atlantis. Wow. And the, the perfectly regular guys were talking cops and bankers and electricians. And there was a garbage man in the room, if I remember correctly, just started looking around like, who is this nut? (laughs) (laughs) But that's the sort of thing that in in sort of conspiracy literature, Freemasonry gets tagged with all the time because it's got it's got a a sinister reputation in some quarters because it's got a secret initiation ritual and we've got signs and passwords and stuff like that. When when in reality, a typical meeting of Freemasons in my many years of experiences, we're going to have a business meeting. We're going to argue about are we going to have to raise dues this year? We pay some bills and then we all break. We play afterwards. We play euchre and drink some coffee and eat some cookies. Yeah. And it's. It's not exactly glamorous stuff, man. I don't. I don't know if you're uh, you're pitching. This is a very good pitch, Jeff. Yeah. So <laughs> so petition your lodge today for membership. No, actually, I think I think it's a, a super rewarding experience. the The idea behind it is a, is an ancient one that peoples of all sorts have adopted since time immemorial. That you initiate people into adulthood by teaching them what you think are the most valuable things in life. And that's what the what the initiation rituals of Freemasonry are about is like, here's a set of moral principles that you can apply to your life. Awesome. Uh, I'm a lion and uh, that's pretty much what our, it's exactly what we do. I mean, there's no secret rituals that I know of or rites, but ours is like the youngest membership in our in illinois basically mm-hmm. and so yeah it's not coffee and euchre it's really drinking and then who's all going to the bar afterwards usually that's <laughs> who, who are we giving money to that we went out and earned and then who, yeah. who's who's taking care of the christmas tree stand you know during the yeah. schedule or whatever anyway. yeah I, I was very good friends with the lion back when i lived in uh, champaign urbana okay yeah so you're not in illinois anymore no, I live in Pennsylvania now in, in the Philadelphia area. Uh, yeah, so it's a lot harder for me to drive down and meet you then. It seems yeah. I'm in northern Illinois, so I really wasn't that far from you. But that's it cracks me up when I learn that now. Anyway, so uh, I guess for those people who don't know, obviously now you know Jeff. He's a, he's a 32nd level Mason. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also, you have a super old blog, I would say – 
Uh, I made reference to this previously. Uh, last episode, I had James Malashevsky, who some people touted as the Pope or uh, the King of the OSR. And you said that James, you go ahead and tell the story. Well, okay. So for my game book, Broodmother Sky Fortress, uh, James Raggi at Lamentation Claim. Uh, decided he needed to write some hype for it, and he dubbed me in at the Archmage of the old school scene or the Archmage of gaming or something like that. I forget what it was. And uh, I don't think I saw this until I actually saw on the co- back cover of the book or something like that. Um, but uh, it was, it was uh, you know, very, very humbling to, you know, be considered an Archmage just because, you know, all I've gotten really is longevity. I've just been writing and thinking about nonsense elf games for a long time. Yeah, I'm looking at the book right now. Archmage of old school, Jeffrey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get like called that anywhere else, or like some no, people? Absolutely not. Because <laughs> I, re- I, it seems like I can recall the last couple of the last few years that G Plus was around. Someone was calling uh, uh, Tenkar the mouth of the OSR. Like he was on. Mm. Uh, did you hear about that or anything? It's be like he's not yeah. my mouth, and there was just like a big, you know, hubbub yeah. about it. Of course, but uh, so, what's the origin story of uh, Jeff's game blog? Yeah, so it starts on RPG.net, which was the first place really I became like a regular at online to talk about gaming and they're just reached a point where i'm like you know this is this place is no longer working for me it's feeling like we spend a lot of time yelling at each other it's getting very toxic and one day and i can't remember exactly what it was i offered my opinion on something dumb like i don't know fudging dice or something like that and another poster literally called me a fascist for it Mm. and this was like pre-2004 you're talking about right yeah so this would yeah this would have been right around the turn of millennium um and i'm like you know what this is this is not going to be good for my health if i continue to hang out (laughs) in this place there's there's lots of smart people having lots of conversation but it all too often ends up getting dragged down in the into the mud and so i'm like i just need a venue where i can just think out loud and if i end up talking to other people there great and if not that's okay too so um i first started on uh tripod if anybody remembers that uh, for for a few months, maybe a year, and then I and then I started seriously on uh, Blogspot, which is which is where the game blog is today and has been since uh, 2004, I guess. So at the beginning, it was just me talking out loud about games on the internet, and for a good long time, just my good buddy Pat was my only reader that I was aware of, but. Uh, you know, you keep talking long enough and eventually somebody notices and it's just, you know, little things like keep putting my blog in my signature when I'm sending email to other people or checking out other people's blogs and commenting and with, a, you know, including a link back to mine. And I eventually built it up where I think even today when I hardly update anymore, I'm still getting like a thousand hits a day. Wow. Wow. That's seems seems 
prolific to me seems like a big deal, man. Uh, so what do you, what do you, (laughs) what do you think your best posts are like your favorite posts or maybe, uh, compare that to uh, the most popular post according to numbers. So I, I think the two posts that are most popular by a country mile are the rules for carousing. Mm -hmm. And I think the name of that post is party. Like it's nine 99. Yep. And uh, 20 questions for your campaign, which is all about the DM asking player-oriented questions of their campaign, the things the players need to know. It's it's all fine and dandy to do a bunch of world-building as an artistic exercise. I'm totally for that sort of thing. But you also need to be pragmatic in terms of thinking about like, well, if your player wants to – you know, earn some extra money as a gladiator. Is that possible? And if so, where do they go? You know, mm-hmm. if a player needs to be cured of lycanthropy, where should they go? Being able to answer that stuff without hemming and hawing is it, it goes so far in convincing the players you've got a coherent world, much more so than writing another few paragraphs about the history of some country that they may never visit. Yeah, or see anyone from or ever yeah. even know of about right that you have yeah. built somewhere and i think both of those blogs are actually in uh i don't know if it's not your only published work but it's probably your opus so far right broodmother sky yeah. fortress yeah i've got a couple of other things out there but broodmother sky fortress is certainly the my most like substantial contribution to <laughs> the world of books you don't necessarily need but please please buy um <laughs> You want to talk as, about it? <laughs> sure. Um, no, but uh, as far as my favorite posts, oh, yeah. I don't know. Did a series of this was this was in collaboration with Zach. He really kicked it off on uh, random advancement for various classes. And uh, the the idea is simply instead of just you know here's what you get or here's what you choose from when you advance. Here's what you get being sort of the old school method. And here are all your options being sort of the, um, you know, the, the later versions of D&D. Instead, hey, let's roll some dice and see what happens. And uh, this allows you to put on the chart, you know, a small chance of something totally bizarre or amazing happening to your character as, as their form of advancement. So the the random advancement charts, I'm... I'm really fond of, and uh, I had a go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, are those published anywhere? Yeah. So there's a there's a compilation that's just uh, I dropped them all into a Google Doc with some some pictures that I could provide you the link to. It's in like a it's it's a publicly shared file. That would be great. Drop that in the show yeah. notes. People will probably be jazzed about that. I'm always yeah, interested I'll, in that because I think people do say that uh, advancement in like BX or whatever is weird where everything's just piled on and then you have um, – mm-hmm you know, house rules to decide, oh, you have to have a trainer or are you, when do you get this stuff and is it slow advancement or do you get it all at once? That sounds great. What that, I guess before we talk about Broodmother, I was going to ask you, so you play BX the most, like, uh, what's your favorite house rule? (laughs) (laughs) So when I'm playing at a table with a face to face game, it's my, uh, D 30 rule. 
which is very simple. Once per session, everybody can use the D30 for any die roll they want. They just have to declare it in advance. Mm-hmm. I have read and that. So, yeah, so there's a blog post about it. It's very simple. So you want to, you're a thief with a dagger and you stab a guy in the back. You could turn one of the damage dice into a D30. <laughs> um, you know, stupid stuff like that. The, the rules specify you can't do it for things that happen like as part of your advancement. So you can't change your hit die to D30. Mm. For example, it has to be action in play. If it's something where roll low is actually what you you just monkey with the chart, you know, instead of having to roll a one or a two on D6, you change it into a five or a six on D6, and then you roll a five or higher on D30 to succeed. Yeah. Really good for saving your bacon if you need to make a saving throw, but also good if you really want to stick it to that one monster and make your die, your damage die huge. And interestingly enough, almost every session I've used it at, at the end of the session is we're packing up. Some player goes, oh, I forgot to use my D30 roll today. You don't get a bank. It's yeah. just gone. <laughs> That's a good one. So uh, you want to. That's on your blog, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's great. I, I'm trying to remember the name. It might be New House Rule, Rule Effective Immediately might be the name of that, but that that's a really old post, so I could be getting that wrong. Um, All right. So, yeah. That's my favorite for for face to face to face games. It's hard it's hard to capture the magic of that in an online game where we're all rolling our own dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I usually make people roll online because I use roll twenty. So yeah, yeah. I've I've never really cared about overseeing other players' dice rolls in online environment. Really at the table either. I've always just come down on the side of. If there's if there's a grown adult sitting at the table who needs to cheat at the dice rules for Dungeons and Dragons to feel good today, I'm gonna let him cheat. You know, <laughs> what do I care? If that's what he needs to get through the day, God bless him. Uh, I often call my players cheaters, even though we're using the online uh, dice roller, <laughs> and everyone can see it. <laughs> Uh, awesome. All right. So uh, I feel like I asked you about Broodmother Sky Fortress. Do you have like, uh, is there anything you want to say about writing it or how hard it was maybe to go from, it probably wasn't that hard from going blog ideas to that. Did you ever run Broodmother Sky Fortress? Was that a campaign? I've, I've run it. I've run it once in my second Flail Snails campaign. Um, had a character whose power level was starting to um spin a little bit out of control uh they they've been in multiple runs been very successful gone off and got some interesting uh additions and some other campaigns and it was and it was obvious to everybody and he said okay if i can if i can conquer the sky fortress i'll retire my character <laughs> and i said okay well i'm not guaranteeing you're going to but I'll give you a chance. <laughs> and, so, and was and, this after you published it? You were still running uh, snail flails then? Yeah, yeah, oh, it was huh. after I published it. Actually, I, I had, I, I had never had an opportunity to play the adventure myself. Uh, it had been play tested by others before it was published, but not by me. Interesting. So you're saying this was like as recent as 2017 or something? Or yeah. Wow, that's great. I get so lost on the timeline sometimes when 
I mean, I don't even know how long Google Plus has been gone now. I feel like I'm doing all these episodes, but... Yeah. Did, well, I guess we should ask, did he conquer the Sky Fortress? He did. Oh, And okay. then he spent a ton of money throwing a giant-ass party on it okay. for all the player player characters in the campaign. So I thought that was <laughs> that was a great little sort of send-off. You know, you got, you got the fireworks going off and the... E- playing on the stormtroopers helmets and you know everybody has a feel good end of the end of the adventure okay awesome so as uh, the arc mage of the old school uh how do you feel about the osr right today i guess uh, i feel like some days i can't make sense of it so um but you know what here's the thing when when we first got started I had the impression that I could see the whole field. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was keeping up on a ton of blogs. Uh, I was looking at several different forums like, you know, Knights of Nave Alehouse, OD&D, um, Dragon's Foot and stuff like that. But, you know, in retrospect, the idea that I had a handle on the kind of an illusion because I wasn't spending a ton of time on all sorts of very important places like say you know the Hackmaster forums the Hackmaster was I think an important part early on of the OSR scene um the uh the Osric people were doing all sorts of great things and you know Osric was the first retro clone it was it was never really my scene and most of the early retro clones had their own forums and mm-hmm. they they were they were doing lots of great stuff there but i very rarely visited say the labyrinth lord forums and so it, but i had this sort of illusion that i had a handle on it now you know i i don't feel like i have that illusion anymore there's so many people doing so many amazing things in so many different places in the on, online that maybe it, it isn't a matter that the the osr you know went away or broke maybe it just exploded um like the just, big bang <laughs> yeah like the big bang it's just it's gotten so huge and there are so many people doing so many great things and you know what i don't think any one of us can have a handle uh, I maybe definitely. We, maybe we never could. I don't feel like I can, and I, I kind of act like yeah. it's my gig or something. But yeah, I don't even try anymore. You know, but, but say- on the on the other side of it, I don't know that the OSR ever really was this specific community, and it certainly was never. Here's the products we agree that are important to it. <laughs> it really comes down to a mode of play. And that mode of play is we're going to investigate avenues that aren't supported by the main line of D&D. That includes going back and looking at old modes of play. I mean, that's how we all ended up, at least a bunch of us, uh, re-examining numbered hex maps for play, right? Um, And we're also going to try new things that maybe you know, a flashy hardback from Wizards of the Coast will never have, but we're going to give it a try. And if we like it, we're going to write it up and we're going to find an audience for it, even if it isn't that mainstream audience. So for me, it's it's operating in a certain mode rather than a list of products or a list of people. 
That's awesome. Thank you very much. You know what? Early in the show, I decided I wasn't going to say awesome very much, but I feel like I've killed it today. <laughs> killed it on the awesome. All right. So we're getting uh, close to the end of the time already, and I feel like oh man, there is so much more that we could talk about, but uh, I like to take some time to talk about the people who uh, help support the show, Hobbs and Friends, through my Patreon, which if you or anyone listening to this or to the two people in the chat... Uh, Hey, Eric, uh, <laughs> you can find it at <laughs> www.patreon.com forward slash O-S-R-N Hobbs. Uh, the people I picked out of the hat today are Steve Gradznicki, uh, also known as Steven Gradznicki. He is the author of Low Fantasy Gaming, lives in Australia, did an awesome video uh, today for him well today for me I don't know when it was for him uh, about how he's going to start running uh, a campaign that he's calling the South Marches it's not exactly a West Marches game and he lives in Australia so he's calling it the South Marches uh, so check that out if you are interested in trying some low fantasy gaming with the author also Patrick Craps uh, Patrick thank you very much uh, we all wish Salim was still adventuring in Calmada Last but not least, my man from Spain, Gabriel Perez Gachardi. Uh, just for the uh, truth seekers out there, he really doesn't live in Spain. That's an old inside joke. He is in Uruguay. Thank you guys for being patrons. Like I always say, I couldn't do it without you, but I still would try. Uh, do you have a, <laughs> Do you have anything like that? You don't have a patron, do you? Uh, no, when I, somebody said a while back, Hey, they're changing their fee structure. So if you ever, I want to get one, sign up for one before, like, was it the end of March of this mm-hmm. year? And so I created an account, but I haven't done a darn thing with it and don't have really any plans to. Uh, I, I think that, uh, hack and slash had a patron for, his blog for a while where you could pay like 10 cents per blog post. I w- I did that for like a year or something. I think I, uh-huh. I how many people did and it was interesting. And uh, that's all he does now is the RPG stuff. So uh, congrats to Courtney for that. Um, what else do I got here? Uh, so if anyone wanted to contact you, Mr. Reince and uh, get involved in your <laughs> broodmother sky fortress, how would they do it? Oh, so uh, the easiest way to get in contact with me nowadays, I guess, would be Twitter, um, where I am uh, at J-R-I-E-N-T-S, J Reens. Uh, I We should take this moment to mention that uh, speaking of Twitter and J Reens, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do this during the show. I forgot until you just said that. So... <laughs> Kind of a funny story. When we were scheduling this, uh, I I was up at like 3 a.m. And so was uh, Jeff apparently on Saturday morning. And I hadn't decided. We hadn't scheduled exactly what was happening. But I sent him a, a Twitter direct message. And I was like, hey, uh, how's your schedule looking for the day or whatever? And he answered me right away. And I'm like, then I just lost all uh, focus. And I was like, what? what are you doing up at 3 a.m.? <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm normally up around now anyway. And then we never really got any farther than that. And then I sent out a hype post um, that I was going to do an interview at 3 p.m. Uh, on Twitch and, you know, everyone get excited so I could probably bring some people in. And uh, Jeff, you you mentioned that, like, you saw it and you're like, what? Go ahead. Yeah, I saw it. I'm like, oh, no, did I miss an email or a judge order like that? And I out 
Oh, where? What do I do? How do? How does this podcast happen? Stuff like that. And then I saw somebody say, "Oh, look, it's James Malazuski, who's the guest." <laughs> and and I said something to my wife like, "Oh, I guess I'm chopped liver." Um, I was just kidding around. <laughs> you were kidding around, but your wife didn't know that because uh, I got a Twitter. Um, I got tagged on a on a tweet that I did not even know what was going on by like an a rinse or something. And it was just like, don't listen, don't watch uh, Hobbs and friends. Who do you think you are? And I was like, all I did was send a question mark back. I was like, what is going (laughs) on? Uh, and so I was like, oh, and then I kind of figured it out because it says Mrs. Dr. Jeff or something in parentheses. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this must be Jeff's wife. What happened? Yeah. No, uh, she's uh, she's very protective and I love her to pieces. Yeah, I think it's awesome. But all you people out there that uh, are trying to get through my difficult scheduling process to be on the show, please don't uh, send your wives after me. <laughs> once was enough but it worked so maybe that's what you got to (laughs) do i don't know oh so if you do want to tweet me i am uh at osrn hobbs or i have a private account at hobbs indeed i try to keep them separate but i'm really bad at it uh or you could uh catch up with me on any of my uh, social medias on MeWe or Facebook. There's a group, Hobbs and Friends, on both. Uh, I also have an HNF Facebook group that is uh, all basically just videos from my Twitter feed automatically feed there. So you can catch those there if you're interested in that. Actual plays or uh, interviews. I just about asked you what HNF stood for, but then I figured it out before I made a fool of myself. So it's my... uh, uh, I mean, I grew up I was born in the 70s, but I grew up in the 80s, and I was always a Guns N' Roses fan, and they were always Guns and fucking Roses, you know? GNF, that's kind of... I'm going to have Brasco do a nice just HNF thing for a shirt or something. Oh, I should show off my shirt. You can't see it, Jeff, but I am wearing a Hobbs & Friends t-shirt. If you want one of these, let me know. They're awesome. The logo is great. I'm really really happy with the the new Hobbs & Friends logo. Uh, But I'm rambling like crazy. Uh, You got anything, uh, lastly, that you want to talk about briefly, Jeff? Uh, no, uh, I have nothing to plug at the moment other than, uh, you know, my back catalog. You can still get Broodmother Sky Fortress uh, available darn near an, anywhere. And uh, um, Obscene Serpent Religion 2, also from Lamentations of the Flame Princess, is a little sort of mini module thing I, I did for them. And uh, the PDF of that's on drive through, but there I think there might be some print copies still at Noble Night. Um, but yeah, uh, that's all I can think of. I really appreciate you being on, and I would tell everyone to go get uh, Broodmother Sky Fortress if you don't have it. Have it, uh, not necessarily because if you're really down with uh, shark centaur giants, but just the uh, GM advice and gaming advice in general in the back half of the book is certainly worth uh, the ticket price. So good work with that, Jeff. Thanks. Uh, lastly, uh, couldn't do the show without you guys, the listeners, and. Uh, stay alive let's try and keep our mental health up stay to your routines i hope you enjoyed this trip down mr hobbs's gamerhood and uh we'll let tj take us out it's a beautiful day in the gamerhood a beautiful day for my gamers would you be one could you 
information or opinions expressed by those interviewed during the Hobbs and Friends podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hobbs and Friends and its staff. Hobbs and Friends is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series, available for listening on any platform of delivery. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform its listeners about the tabletop gaming industry. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising which is incorporated into or placed in association with or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the express approval and knowledge of the Hobbs and Friends podcast creator is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Hobbs and Friends podcast site assume no liability for any activities in the connection with this podcast or for the use of this podcast in connection with any other website, computer, or playing device.